When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. And that makes this Stuff You Should Know, the podcast, as I just welcome you to. Yeah, henceforth. <laughs> yeah. I'm not quite as sick, Chuck. That's good. You've recouped? Yeah. I've been on this um, uh, orange, lemon, grapefruit juice cleanse, and it, it's helped quite a bit. Helped heal you, you think? I think so, yeah. I mean, it's just like a jam-packed dose of vitamin C every day. Something on the order of like... Nine nine thousand milligrams, I think. Wow, really? <laughs> it could be up there. I've been drinking a lot of vitamin C, but it has helped. I, I strongly recommend it. Good, Arden's Garden. I take a lot of vitamin C anyway. Yeah, like and the B, recommended amount. B's awesome too. You know, Margaret Thatcher took a B twelve shot to her bomb every day. Yeah, that's popular. Yeah. Do so you want to talk family crests? Yeah. Oh, okay. Have you just been waiting for me to ask that? Typically, you intro the show somehow. So <laughs> and don't just stare at me. <laughs> have you? Uh, do you have a family crest? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've got a. You know, they're all different, but there is a Bryant shield, and I looked up a bunch of them, and they're pretty similar. So okay, it's probably something like that. As do you. So if you contacted a service, they would probably be like, "Here you go." Give us $150. Here's your family crest. Go do whatever you want with it. Yeah. And now that we've researched this article, Chuck, we could be like, Huxer. Scammer. Are they scammers? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say that these services are all scams, but there's a very high degree of potential that these services are all scams. Do you want to know why? Yes. Well, let me tell you why. Whether you want to hear it or not, Chuck, I'm going to give you the, the straight facts. The family crest is so individualized and has been so personalized over the last eight centuries that there's virtually no way for you to find the family crest that you um, rightfully own. Right. So... Anybody at the mall or whatever is probably taking you for something of a ride. Do they have people at the mall? They really do. I've never seen that. Yeah. 
they have kiosks at the mall that, you know, I'm sure you ran across it online. It's lousy. Like it's a kind of a subservice of genealogy sites like Find Your Family Crest or whatever. Maybe I don't go to malls. That's a problem. Um, <laughs> that is a problem. I would have to go into a mall to see a mall kiosk. You, this is why the um, the economic stimulus didn't work. You don't go to malls, Chuck. I buy things online. So, Chuck, there. this is not to say that there is no way to possibly find a family crest that you are linked to or that it just simply doesn't exist. It's just that most likely the one you're going to get back for 100 bucks online is not necessarily legitimate. There Generic. are bona fide sources. The very people who keep authority over these things... Um, that can help you. And we'll talk about them in a minute. But this is kind of, this article turned out to be cooler than I expected. Yeah, I knew nothing about this. Same here. And now I know a lot about it. Same here. And that's kind of how it should be. Well, let's talk about the origin of family crests, right? Well, first let's talk about the difference. On Twitter last night, I asked people if they had any questions about family crests. Uh-huh. And uh, the number one question was definitely, what's the difference between a family crest and a coat of arms? Yeah, there's really no difference these days. I've, these days, yes. Pretty interchangeable. It is. But if you go back further and further into history, um, I found three explanations for the difference. Let's hear them. So one is that a coat of arms was actually a coat for your armor. It basically was a uh, cloth tunic that had your crest on it um, to keep the, your armor from heating up in the sun. Okay. That's that's one. Another one was that the um, the crest is the actual crest on top of your larger coat of arms. That's true. Okay. That's like the College of Arms definition or distinction, right? I don't know. And then the third one... Is that the crest is belongs to a family while a coat of arms is an individual's. Oh, I didn't see that. So those are possibly the three differences. Gotcha. But where'd they come from? Uh, well, they come from a long time ago. Uh, originally in medieval times in the mid-12th century, they were used to distinguish knights on the battlefield. Once they're all covered with uh, armor, mm-hmm. they all looked alike. Yeah. And then uh, from that, I think they evolved to eventually putting them on the actual shield that they used as protection. Right. As just sort of a feather in their cap slash being able to know the enemy from one another. I think the cap with the feather in it is a crest. It is, actually. Uh, then eventually priests. Well, then it kind of filtered down to people that uh, worked with knights and mm-hmm. noblemen like pages and squires. Mm-hmm. And then eventually priests started using them. And then eventually commoners and... Uh, Poor people, peasants, in the 13th century said, you know what, I want to use a crest. Yeah, apparently until the Middle Ages, most of the peasantry didn't have surnames. So they eventually started taking the surnames of the people who, well, they're feudal lords. That's how a lot of people are linked to prominent families that had family crests. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I did not know that. Um, And then after... uh, after um, jousting and tournaments came about, um, the crests became even more important uh, because that was how your page would announce you, your herald would announce you. Sorry. Yeah, heraldry. That's what the, all this is really called under the big umbrella name. Yeah. It's all heraldry. It's the crest. It's the design of them. It's the registry of them. It's the way you announced it. Like um, when you were at a joust, your herald would say like, here is uh, Archduke Ferdinand atop right. his mighty steed. 
um, he's ready to crack some skulls, and his crest is as follows. And that you know, then they would describe what was on the on the crest on the coat of arms. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and that's called blazoning. Yeah. And well, well, we'll get into blazoning in a minute. That's uh, that's a whole different thing. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, well, like it basically became like your corporate logo for your family. Yeah. And they would put it on everything from swords and banners in your house to burning it into bread for special dinners. That was neat. I would think so. Yeah. I couldn't find any examples of that. I don't think they had photography in the Middle Ages, but I'd like to see that. You can get um, little uh, brands for your barbecue to sear into steak with like your initials now. <laughs> That's so stupid. It's very cool. <laughs> There's nothing cool about that. There, it is. There's, too. A, there's a lot of things that is, but it's not cool. It is very cool. <laughs> you can get anything you want and just brand it in the steak when you're done, and then eat it. Yeah, with your initials. Right. <laughs> it is cool. Are you from Texas? No. Okay. I bet people in Texas do that. Yeah, I'll bet those are big sellers in Texas. Um, so you've got you've got the family crest. You have the coat of arms, and we're going to use these interchangeably. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Um, from what I saw, the College of Arms uh, that originated out of these heralds uh, uses coat of arms. The UK version or the United States? UK. Okay. The one in the United States is the American College of Heraldry, where in the UK um, it's the College of Arms. Yeah, and those are the best sources on the internet for stuff like this, by the way. Yeah, but you know they they cost you some coin. Yeah, but they just have good info. Period. And I think it's the legit info. There's a lot of other stuff floating around out there. Right. Um, so, Chuck, the College of Arms, um, these heralds, they actually became part of the households of these, you know, royal families. Um, and they all banded together and formed a corporation and was actually granted a charter in 1484, I think, by Richard III, um, who said, you guys are now the College of Arms. And they've been around ever since, basically keeping track of arms, registering new arms, um, linking, you know, broken chain of title, right? Um, to, you know, people who are alive today, um, and they've been doing it nonstop since 1484. Wow. Yeah. 365. They open on Christmas. No, they ha- they're open 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. I think Monday through Thursday. That's for like inspection is what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's self-sufficient. They um they they subsist on funds they charge for this research. Um, they don't subs- they don't exist on um, public funds. They say. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, that's good. Yeah. So, Chuckers, how was how are these handed down? Well, it gets kind of complicated, but it's a man's world back then. Yeah. And they're generally passed down from male heir to male heir. Right. For the most part. Yeah. And uh, cadency. You talked about every like individual, like siblings can add their own little mark to their shield or mm-hmm. to their coat of arms. Right, right. And that's cadency. That's the, the little system they use for each person to have their own individual coat of arms. Right. So you've got your father's coat of arms, and if you have up to nine sons, if you're a tenth son, you're in trouble. But um, I bet they have a system. You can take the you take your father's coat of arms as your own, but then you add a certain something, and depending on the order of birth, um, let's say you're the fifth son, you're going to add an amulet to it, which is a ring. An amulet is a ring? Yeah, amulet. That's what I, that's what I found. What is an amulet? 
An amulet is like um, it's a watch that you swing in front of somebody basically oh, okay. and say like you're getting sleepy. I always get those two confused. <laughs> um, an amulet, I think it has two ends. It's, it's a, a ring. It's a ring, like a gold ring. All right. So you add that to a family crest and you can be like, oh, this is the fifth son's family crest, right? The third son is a mullet. I know. I saw that too. <laughs> um, but when you – you can see very quickly like if you're the third son of a fifth son – the the you know over the course of several generations these crests are going to become different very quickly yeah and if you want to claim title to these things you have to trace your 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 line back to you know where this crest left off right yeah and like you have to prove it each time too yeah it gets a little hinky i think the further back you go probably yes well that's one of the good things about the um college of arms is you go to them with a wheelbarrow full of money right. and your birth certificate and your father's birth certificate if you can get your hands on it and say, here you go, call me when you're done, and they will do the research for you. Yeah, and the rules get really complicated with the ladies, don't they? Yes, very. Let's hear that. Well, if you are a woman and you were born to a man who um, had a coat of arms, and by the way, if your family has a coat of arms, it's called an armidurous family. So if you're born into an armidurous family and you're the only child and you're a girl, uh-huh. um, you can inherit the coat of arms, the family coat of arms. But um, as a woman, it has to be modified. Like, for example, um, the shield in the coat of arms has to be changed into a lozenge, which is a diamond shape, yeah. or an oval, right? because shields are thought of as a, a man's implement of war. They're not appropriate for women. Yeah, and this article, too, said the shield shape was important, but I didn't find that to be true. I found it to be rare that the shield shape matters. Yeah. And, like, in some cases it might, but usually it doesn't. Yeah, So, and I think also that it may have been important at one point in time, but then its import was lost to the ages, maybe. Gotcha. But if you you see a circle or a diamond um, coat of arms, then you're going to say that's a woman's. Yeah. But um, this coat of arms changes depending on the course of her life. Like if she marries a man um, who is also from an armidurous family, uh, they're going to combine them together. Yeah. And there's strict details on how they're going to combine them. Like she can take her coat of arms and put them next to his coat of arms on a larger shield. If she's married, she can be on a shield. Right. But uh, hers needs to be sinister, which is the left if you're wearing the coat of arms, yeah, it'll be on your left. And then his is Dexter, which is right. That's right. Have you ever heard that before, Dexter for right? I haven't heard of any of this stuff oh, okay. until we researched this. Gotcha. <laughs> so that's passing down the coat of arms. And in a lot of cases, these things were just kind of lost. They just stopped. And the point is now is to backtrack to find where your coat of arms left off. And if you're... If you're allowed to inherit it, then you can pick it up and start over again. Yeah. Well, Kate Middleton just had one done really? for the first time because she needed one to get married to uh, Prince uh, William. Wow. So she had one designed uh, by, uh, well, first she had to pass an eminence test, which basically means you got to prove you're important. She's like, I'm marrying this guy. Exactly. So she passed that pretty quick. And she got uh, Mr. Woodcock. Thomas Woodcock designed her her new crest, which was, um, as you can see here, it is a uh, oh, that's nice, a diamond, and uh, they asked for acorns, 
the Middletons did. So they got three acorns, one representing each of the children, mm-hmm. uh, Kate, Pippa, and Jimmy. Wait, uh, Jimmy? James. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, really? We're close. Uh, there's a gold chevron in the center, which is sort of like an inverted uh, V, mm-hmm. and it represents the mountains, and it's gold because her mother's maiden name was Goldsmith. Mm-hmm. And it it represents mountains because they're big, they're into skiing. It's a family. <laughs> huh. So this is what a modern, this right. is what you ask for in a modern family. There's like address. a plasma TV in <laughs> yeah, the background. Exactly. Uh, there's a blue ribbon tied at the top, which means she's unmarried, and um, it's red and white because the that's the colors of the flag of the UK. Very nice. And uh, they are merging them now as the the married arm, marital arms, and I think I think William is losing the unicorn. I would not lose the unicorn. unicorn the right. You can't lose the lion. I wouldn't lose either of them. You have to. So what's what's what support is she bringing into it then? Well, I don't know, but it's just tradition. Like, basically, you're messing with the the House of Windsor's coat of arms, so it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, no, that is a big deal. But I'm saying, like, you're bringing her um, shield in, her elements in. Yeah. But I didn't see a support on that picture. Well, have we even said what a support is? No, we should probably talk about this. There's some um, common elements yeah. to any coat of arms. Um, as hodgepodge as they look, as often detailed or as sparse as they look, if you look closely, you're going to see certain elements, about what five things that you're going to find on every single European coat of arms, right? Yeah. Take it, Chuck. Well, you got your shield. That's the main part in the center. Generally in the center, the background of the shield is called the field. Right, like uh, it's a color. Yeah. Right, it's just the color of the shield. Yeah, Right. that's the field. So if you have a red field, then it's red. Right. Although they won't say red in the blazon. We'll get to that, though. Uh, supporters, if you, I'd sketch this out. They have stick figures as my the, supporters. Those are nice supporters. <laughs> and that's like if you look at a, a common thing, it'll be like, like the House of Windsor has a lion on one side holding it up, yeah, and then a unicorn for some reason on the other side the, holding the, it up. It's a cool unicorn. I know, and I'm sure there's a great reason for it, which we will find out. But yeah, usually it's a human or an animal or something that's on two legs and then has the the front two legs or arms holding up the shield. They're called the supporters. And that mean if they're on two legs, it means they're rampant. Which is another part of the blazoning process. Yeah, and did you notice how they dis- when they describe them? It is you got to you have a description to read, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Because this this is gonna be a that's treat my favorite everybody. part of this whole thing is the blazoning. Is it? Yeah, I think so. I like the pictures. The pictures. <laughs> so atop the shield, uh, you probably have a, a coronet, which is a small crown. Mm-hmm. Uh, sitting on top of that, you have the helm, which is a helmet, like a knight's helmet. Right. With mantling coming off of the helmet, which is sort of just flowery little stuff. It could be like ribbons or something yeah, like that. Yeah, some adornment. Yes. And then you have a, a small wreath called a torse on top of the helmet and then the crest on top of that. Right. And the crest is the topmost thing. It can be anything. It can be like a shaft of wheat um, or a lion or um, a dude with his tongue sticking out. It's a lot of lions. Yeah, because lions are courageous sure. and brave. You don't mess with lions. And then a lot um, of times you got a motto on the top and right. or the bottom. And that's on a scroll. Yeah. And the scroll is on top of the compartment, which the whole thing sits on. Yeah. So, like, there's a lot of physics involved in this, even though, you know, <laughs> unicorns show up in it. They all follow the, the laws of Newtonian physics. Like, everything's resting on something else. 
Uh, this actually, I didn't notice this. This is a belt. That's a belt around the shield on the House of Windsor. Now that Chuck, it's I, one of those cheesy old braided belts too that is looped around, <laughs> right, it goes in and tucked it's down. Tucked in. <laughs> um, that is actually Scottish in origin. That means that they are followers of a clan leader. Oh, okay. They're members of a clan. Um, Scotland has their own set of crests, and they have their own authority. The Lord Lion, King of Arms, is responsible for registering them in Scotland. But that means they're members of a clan. And followers, not even leaders, the belt um, looped in like that means you're a follower, a clan member. So complicated. It is. Uh, The shield, we also should mention, is many times uh, divided into different um, compartments or panels. Yeah. Many times it's quartered. Yeah. In the case of the House of Windsor, you've got panels representing uh, Ireland, Scotland, two for England. I think there used to be one for France yeah. that they replaced. Like, it's changed a lot over the years. And a lot of times when it changes, it's because of marriage. It's bringing in elements from the um, the wife's family crest and adding it in. Right. Yeah. So I guess the House of Windsor will have acorns. I guess so. Maybe that'll be the support, a, a giant acorn instead of a unicorn. <laughs> right. But a mutant one that's like <laughs> growling or something like That'd that. would be fun. So those are the elements, those are the, uh, I guess, aspects um, that you're going to find in any European shield, right, or coat of arms. Yeah, and by the way, Mr. Woodcock, who designed the, the Middletons, he, he does this a lot, and he said that he had a surgeon contact him one time that wanted a colon on his. <laughs> that's awesome. And he said it looked rather like a red worm. But he did it. Good for him. Yeah. I guess he'll do anything for a buck. I was going to say the same exact thing, old Mr. Woodcock. Um, so there are certain rules that these things have to follow. Like you said, there there has to be a helmet. There has to be a crown. Um, the, the helmet that's showing, if you are a knight, um, then you can have the helmet a certain way. Like usually the visor's open and it's facing forward. Um, if you are royalty... Your helmet is gold. It's a golden helmet. All right. Um, and so, like, if you are designing your own, which we'll get to in a, in a minute, um, there's just certain elements you can't use. Like, you can't be like, well, I want a gold helmet. <laughs> it's like, well, you're not royal, so you can't have that. Um, this is if you want to be bona fide. Right. I'm going to make my own, and it's going to have a gold helmet. Yeah. And it's also going to be colored in with crayon. That's right. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey, everybody, it's time you heard about Squarespace. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own website, whether it's an online course or custom merch. 
Squarespace has you covered. That's right. Courses is a great program. You can start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with a powerful Fluid Engine editor. That's right. With Fluid Engine, which is a next generation website design system, by the way, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. That's right. And don't forget the commerce side, because after that, you can charge a one time fee or you can even sell a subscription. Yeah. So turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. And right now, go to squarespace.com stuff for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code stuff to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. Um, the uh, Speaking of the colors, one that kind of transcends all uh, nobility or commoners, um, there's you can't have, and I went and double-checked this, but this is true. You can't have color on color in a field or metal on metal in a field. Do you see your um, your coat of arms right yeah. there? See how it's yellow on the shield, yellow on blue? Yes. I guarantee you that originally that yellow was gold. It's supposed to be golden. You think? Yeah. If you look at every single one, there can be white on a the color. There right. can be black on a color. But there's um, there can't be like red on blue. Gotcha. So there, but there can be like metal, like silver, gold, or bronze on blue or yellow or whatever. Um, but there also can't be like silver on gold. And if you go look closely, there you're not going to find a crest that has metal on metal color or color on color. An authentic one, at least. Yeah. Right. Did you know yours has ducks? <laughs> it has. A, was it ducks? I thought it was geese. I don't know. Are those geese? I think they're geese. Yeah, that's a goose for sure. And it's fun when you just look up the generic Google image search, image, uh, search for your own. Yeah. If you find the case that there a lot of them look pretty similar, then that's probably a good idea that that's what yours may have looked like. But I wouldn't necessarily like print that out on a T-shirt and yeah. say, this is mine for sure. My family has a long history of mistreating geese for foie gras. <laughs> yours has got three geese. Right. Now, this is the uh, English version of it. Oh, yeah. Um, the, uh, there's a Scottish version and an Irish version, all of Clark. Yeah, probably same with me. And the, uh, the English version is the one that has the geese on it every time. Oh, well, I, I, I was O'Brien at some point, probably. That's Irish. Well. So, well, no, it's because I come from Ireland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the Bryant ones all look about the same. Yellow cross. Kind of classy. I wish I had an animal, though. I got no animals on mine. I got three geese. I know. I'm so jealous. On the English one, at least. But mine's missing a crown. Oh, oh, is it? Yeah, it's missing a crown and it doesn't have a wreath. It just has the, um, what is the uh, mantling? The mantling? It has mantling coming off of a helmet turned to the side with the visor down. Oh, actually, I don't have a crown either. But look, my helmet goes straight forward, left and right. It's almost as if the Bryants are always looking in all directions. That's uh, <laughs> Facing forward usually indicates some sort of title or nobility or something, so... Well, this is facing left, right, and forward. That's awesome. And what's the flag sticking out of the top is the crest. Mine also doesn't have a crest. I think that was a cadency. I think someone added that, like one of my relatives from Arkansas or something, (laughs) just stuck a flag in the top of it. It's got a rebel flag in the top. So I was, (laughs) I was looking online and, um, there are different registries for just about every European country. Portugal has one. Um, the, uh, Scandinavia has the best ones, the Scandinavian registry. Which is like all these Nordic countries except for the Netherlands, by the way. Yeah, they don't need it. But they have, they have, in my opinion, the coolest ones. Um, you can go check it out. It's the Societas 
Heraldica Scandinavica is going to take you to this <laughs> registry. Um, and a lot of them were created in the 70s. I guess there was a resurgence in interest in heraldry in Scandinavia in the 1970s. Oh, in Scandinavia or period? In Scandinavia. Oh, okay. Um, if you're Irish, you want to contact the Office of the Chief Herald of Ireland, uh, Scotland. Again, um, the Lord Lion, King of Arms. That guy is in charge of not just registering crests, but also tartans. Um, and you have to trace your lineage back to claim a tartan. What's a tartan? It's your, you know, like um, plaid. I've never heard that one. Well, yeah, it's like kilts are different types of plaid, yeah. like like Malcolm and Black Watch yeah, and yeah. all that stuff. Those are clan, that, just like a crest, that pattern is um, it's associated with a specific clan. Yeah, yeah. And like you or I can't just go put on some kilt. We shouldn't be doing that anyway. But if we did and we went to Scotland, they'd be like, oh, you're a Malcolm. And I'd be like, well, that's my middle name, but I don't think that's my – and then – they, they start. just start beating me up. <laughs> Train spotting. And I style. wouldn't understand what they were saying, but they would be beating me up yeah. at the time. You, you just can't. You Just like I, we can't wear a T-shirt that's like, check out my family crest. Right. Even if we haven't made an official claim to it. In the U.S., it's kind of willy-nilly, and we'll talk about that. In Great Britain, you can get in trouble. It's basically like mis- misusing a copyrighted piece of material or trademark or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah, there's laws to it. I didn't it's know called that. bearing arms. You have to register to bear these arms, the coat of arms. I did not know that. Yeah. That's In America, cool. it means you can wave a gun around. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so where are we? Can we talk about where are we? This one's all over the map. <laughs> it really was. This uh, this thing had strange flow, I guess you would say. it. Um, well, you want to keep talking about um, how you, you can will them to people in some countries? Oh, really? You can. I didn't know that. Uh, you can will them to people. Um, let, so let's say you are an American and you want to register your new family crest in right. England. Can you do that? I couldn't get a definitive answer. I, possibly if you're of fairly recent British descent. But your best bet is to go to the American College of Heraldry, which was founded in 1972. Something went on in the 70s. Yeah. Um, in New Orleans, um, and is now a registered corporation in Alabama somehow. But at any rate, this is the official organization for registering in America, and all of them are new. All the the ones that they register are new. Yeah, oh. they don't they don't track back because that's just not how it's done in America. Gotcha. There's no nobility. There's nothing like that. Right. Um, so it's like you create your own and register it and start it there. Oh, that sounds like something that's worthwhile. Yeah. If you're into that. I'm into it now. Are you going to do it? I think so. Good. All right. Let's talk about blazoning, which we mentioned uh, earlier. Yes. Blazoning is the description of the coat of arms. Um, and it's really specific and it's uh, got its own language and syntax. and Which ba- is all over the map. Well... Not really. It's actually really, like, if you can read it, then it's, that's the point, is it's not all over the map. Because what you want to do is you want to be able to hand your blazon over to a, an artist and not say, what I'm looking for is this. <laughs> right. You just hand it over, and they look at that, and they know exactly where everything goes. Gotcha. So it is the description of what it looks like without having to put, I'd like this lion to be this color. And move him over here a little bit and put him on the left and right. him on the right. Dexter and Sinister. Exactly. So um, 
the rules are sort of an overview. Um, you begin by describing the field, which you said was the background. Mm-hmm. It's usually just a color that you're going to say. And this is of the shield, right? Uh, this is of the whole coat of arms. Okay. So you begin by describing the field, which is of the shield. Okay. And um, if it's a complex field, though, you know, you got to describe the variation after the color, like red, checkered, or checkered red and white. Uh, And you can't just say that. It's like in different language, too, which we'll go over. Yeah. Um, If the shield's divided, you got to describe how it's divided, whether it's quartered or halved, and if it's horizontal or vertical. Uh, you got to describe the colors of each subfield and use words like Dexter and Chief, which means the top, and Sinister, and they know what all this means because <laughs> they're really smart. Uh, the principal charge, which is anything you see on your coat of arms, like a tree or a flower, is a charge. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, any emblem. you got to describe that next and the color. Uh, then the charge, uh, anything that's around the charge, like if your lion is holding a thing of arrows or a thing of daisies, you got to describe that. Or spitting those arrows out of his mouth. Exactly. Um, then you have to describe, you do the panels, one panel at a time, if your shield has many panels. Mm-hmm. you got to go from left top to bottom and left to right, as if you're reading. And uh, all this is done basically so they know exactly what to do. And you have license after that to draw it however you want. So, oh, like what? Like, the like style this is what I think a line. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. And as long as you get all the components right, then that's legit. It can be drawn a number of ways, and it doesn't matter. What about like anime? You could do anime, <laughs> I guess. Uh, and a lot of it's in French because um, a lot of the English clerks wrote in French at the time that this was was big. <clears throat> and uh, we did mention the animals, and I said rampant means standing on their legs. Mm-hmm. Rampant gardent is when you're standing on your legs and facing the person or whoever's looking at it. Uh, passant means you're walking. Sagent means you're sitting. And couchant <laughs> means you're lying down. Huh. I thought that was kind of funny. Right. <laughs> guess you're on the couch. Right, you're just hanging out. <laughs> so here's one example. Uh, I'm looking at a shield that has a tree. It's split down the middle, green on one side, white on the other. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, against the white background, the tree is green. Against the green background, the tree is white, and it's uprooted. You see the roots of the tree. Right. So the way this is described is party per pale argent invert a tree eradicated counterchanged. Yes. <laughs> so whoever does this reads that, and they say, oh, I know. That means parted means it's divided in half. Mm-hmm. Pale means it's split vertically. Argent invert means silver and green. And then eradicated means the tree is pulled up by the roots and counterchanged is when it's, you know, the white color on the green and the green color on the white. Yeah. Somehow that makes sense. I mean, it's just like learning another language. That's exactly what it is. And once you do, then, yeah, that's pretty cool. I tried to train myself to to speak in that, like, not speak. I was kind of hoping you were going to do it in, like, a British accent or something. No, but once you know enough of these words, if you see a sentence like that, you can kind of suss it out a little bit. So what you just did, like, that's not just a description for the artist. It's also blazoning is what the Herald, like Paul Bettany, would have said. Is that what happens? Yeah. I didn't see anything about that. Yeah. It, that's That was what they did. That's how they described. 
So know, if the knight sir, pulls up with the the lance, he would say party propel argent invert blah blah blah. Yes, wearing this. Okay. Basically, it's almost like in this corner wearing the black right. trunks with the white trim is Tyson. <laughs> I wonder if they followed it up. A tree eradicated, counterchanged, aka Ricky. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just to make it easier. Yeah. The how do you widow maker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ricky the widow maker. Um, and, uh, all, did we say where these came from? Where they started? Europe. No? Well, Europe, yeah. Rome? But, uh, no. Um, it's, it's either, it's definitely European, uh, Western European. Either it started in England in the, the, um, maybe the 12th century, early 13th century, or it came from Northern Europe, right? Like Scandinavia. And was brought down by William the Conqueror in about the 12th century and really took root in England and then just kind of spread from there. Gotcha. But you think of England as the heart of this and, and for good reason. And yeah, And they yeah. started there, really started to spread to the rest of Western Europe from England. Well, and you can get beaten severely if you do it wrong there. By Scots. Whereas we don't care here. By Begbie. Um, governments a lot of times will have like... Uh, like each state has a seal. The United States has a the seal of the United States, the Great Seal of the yeah. United States. Yeah. Um, not quite the same, but sort of the same as a coat of arms. Like a lot of states have them. I'm sorry, it's only a few states have a coat of arms. They all have a seal. Right. But some have a few of them have both. But there's a difference. Yeah, a seal is what they use on um, documents, like the state seal. Right. Uh, the uh, heraldic device which is the coat of arms, represents the state itself. Yeah. I don't know technically what the difference is. Okay. Although they, you know, they look different. Well, yeah, I guess the seal of Ohio that has a bunch of wheat with a sun on some, you know, farmland. Right. That doesn't follow the heraldic um, rules. Yes. <laughs> but well, some of them, though, like Vermont has a seal and a coat of arms, but both contain a pine tree, a cow, and cheese of grain. So there can be similarities. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and Ronald Reagan's, you know, a lot of presidents, most presidents have had their coat of arms done up nicely. Yeah. Because they're presidents. Well, yeah, it's a big deal for them. And uh, Ronald Reagan's has a, a stallion, a black stallion atop his shield with an actor's mask, the little drama mask, <laughs> uh, on the horse's chest. You know what that kind of looks like? It looks like the, um, the logo that uh, Rocky... Balboa wore on the back of his robe. Totally does because it's yellow and black yeah. too. <laughs> That's totally rocky. <laughs> and then there's uh, his shield is divided. I wish I could speak it in uh, blazoning terms, but his shield is divided horizontally, black on top, yellow on the bottom, with an eagle and a bear representing, I think California. Yeah. And then facta non verba is his motto, which is deeds, not words. Huh. And you- the um that was that Reagan, bear <laughs> that bear do you notice his tongue sticking out yeah um and he's holding what's called that's a mullet oh the star uh huh party it's in not the front the fish or the haircut or business in the front party in the rear <laughs> right <laughs> what else you got um oh actually I could read Reagan's if you want okay. um a bear rampant sable armed in languid gills holding between its forepaws a mullet argent <laughs> silver star. On a chief sable standing on a ducal coronet or a falcon argent armed and languid gules wings displayed and inverted. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. It is. 
All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey, everybody. Did you know that Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico? But it's more than just a name. It's a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. Yeah, that's right. It's an island that's filled with adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the entire United States. That's right. Or you can get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico that remind you of why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island. It becomes a part of you. That's right. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. We now know that a silver star is a mullet argent. Yeah, exactly. Oh, tell them about the Japanese thing. That was kind of neat. Well, Japan um, has its own set of family crests, and actually there's about 10,000 of them, they estimate. Um, they don't have nearly as strict standards. I read that supposedly they were uh, originally given out to people of samurai class or higher. Remember, samurai were pretty high up in the social yeah. strata. Um, but apparently that has been relaxed and over time, lots of families have a, a crest called a mancho or a ca- uh, what is it? Mancho or kamon uh-huh. or mon? Porta, porta, porta. <laughs> um, and like a number of different families can have the same crest. Gotcha. Right? And they use theirs on their tombstones too, right? Yeah, that's a good way. If you're of Japanese, relatively recent Japanese descent, um, if you can get a picture of your grandparents' tombstone or Ask your grandparents um, if they're still living. They should be able to tell you what your family crest is. But usually they're um, circular, compact, kind of geometrical representations of things like flowers or leaves or gotcha. bells or something like that. And there's tons. I mean, I looked up lists of coats of arms, and it's like every country and even cities and states mm-hmm. and people. And I, I had no idea people were that into it, to be honest. Yeah. You mean I are going to make ours, I think. Heraldy? Yeah. Heraldry. Herald, heraldy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder, uh, Emily's Cinnabogen, boy, that'd be German, big time German. Or Dutch. It sounds Dutch to me. Oh, no, she's German. Oh, okay. But, I mean, I don't know, maybe further back it was Dutch, who knows? You know who knows? The College of uh, Heraldry? Yeah, <laughs> or the German version of it, too. What do you got to plunk down for that? Any idea? I, I, I don't. Lot, I know um, to find your family's... Um, uh, Mancho is a hundred bucks. I found a place called uh, Christia or Quistia, Q-Y-S-T-I-A dot com, I think. It was like a hundred bucks to do the research flight. So Yumi would have a Mancho? Yeah. 
Interesting. Yes. But again, be wary of there are legitimate authorities that you can that deal directly with the public for money that are that will give you the real deal info and they may say there is no crest that you have any kind of claim to whatsoever. Right. And if you're American, you can turn to the American registry and be like, "All right, I want to start." And then you start new. Right, yeah, and then register your own and you it even says on the on the document that they give you like you have to name your heir. Yeah. Because that through that document they legally are entitled to the family crest and then they can create a document saying this is who I'm leaving it to as gotcha. well. Um so you can start if you're American. Uh if you're British you can start too. I believe all of the different countries let you start registering your own. Right. Um like Kate Middleton. Gotcha. Um but they're also the places where you want to go to find if there's one already in existence that you can claim. Right, or that you could add a cadence to, right? Yes. And put your own little pl- plasma screen TV on there. <laughs> exactly. I think a lot of the family pride thing is, I don't know, it didn't seem to be as big of a thing these days. Yeah. It's kind of sad. Um, yeah, I guess. It is. It's the, uh, it's, these kids these days. It's the, it's emblematic of the breakdown of society. <laughs> Agreed. Okay. So that's it for family crests, aka coats of arms. Uh, A.K.A. Heraldry? Yes. Uh, if you want to know more about it, you can, well, just type in Family Crests on HowStuffWorks.com, and that will give you some pretty good background. And then do a lot more research. Yeah, you should also, <laughs> um, if you want to do, if you want to look for your Family Crest, the real thing, look for, like, type in France or registering family crests in France or registering coat of arms in France or Germany or whatever. Right. And it's, you should be able to find like the official, um, government version for that country. Gotcha. And that's a good place to start. Cool. So what else you got? You got ducks. You got geese. I think I I got nothing. I said, well, at least you don't have geese. That's all. That's worse than nothing. I think it's kind of fun. When I saw that, I definitely thought it was pretty funny. And also, my last name, Clark, is a variation of clerk, which means I come from a long line of pencil pushers. And look at you. I thrive. My family thrives in cubicles. You, you probably had an E on the end of that at some point, too, right? Yes. Or it meant cleric, which I find doubtful. You think? Yeah. Well, at some point in the last like minute and a half, I said uh, handy search bar, which means it's time, Chuck, for listener mail. That's right. You know, my dad claims he traced our family back to the Vikings. He, t- he told me that like a month ago. Because I remember he had traced our family tree back pretty well. I said, how far did you get? And he went to the Vikings. I went, really? <laughs> he meant like, um, oh, I wish I knew some Viking football players that I could have used. <laughs> Randy Moss. Yeah, sure. He traced you back to Randy Moss. Uh, all right. Uh, listener mail today. This is actually Facebook gaming. With Chuck and Josh. Uh, I don't know if you saw last week I had a little... I, I do these little fun games from time to time, like uh, like this one, which was uh, I give the, the fans a synopsis for a movie, mm-hmm. and you title it. And people go wild for this stuff. And so here was the movie I came up with. Uh, Natural disaster sweeps through a rural small town, destroying the only school. When no funding and With no funding and little help, a young buck carpenter rebuilds it as an old-timey one-room schoolhouse. Along the way, the project becomes a national sensation, and he wins the heart of a beautiful young teacher. So we got lots of what? 
good uh, titles. Okay. Uh, Brian Day, Lessons of the Heart. Nice. Samantha Smith, Back to Basics. Todd Estep, Homeroom. Uh, Dave Bingham, Back to Basics. Uh, Anad Kumar, The Education. Uh, that Kubi. sounds like a Merchant Ivory film. <laughs> Kubes, Don Kubi, Lecture of Love. Not bad. No. Uh, Russ Vick, you know Russ. Yeah. Making Love Out of Nothing at All. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Andrew Neal, Windswept. Mona, our buddy Mona, Hot for Teacher. There was a few Hot for Teachers, by the way. Uh, Rich Marmara, Learning Curves. <laughs> that sounds almost like Two Moon Junction-y or Picasso Trigger-y. <laughs> David Robinson, Learning to Live. Uh, Chris Crawford gave us Erecting Hope. <laughs> That's probably what they would call it in Hollywood. You think? Maybe. Uh, Key Latimer Foundations. Tammy Yu, Saved by the Bell, B-E-L-L-E. <laughs> wow. Uh, Michael Needell, Measure Twice. Kind of clever. Yeah. Measure Twice, Cut Once is the Carpenter's saying. Although I usually cut once and then cut two or three more times. And then measure. And then measure. J.J. Uh, Bryce, Four Walls, One Roof, Endless Hope. <laughs> and then there were some funny ones. Drew Chandler, his title is This One Room Schoolhouse is a Metaphor. Uh, Jimmy Raby Colford, hers was Smiggy. <laughs> what? Smiggy. Okay. Like that's the carpenter's name? I don't know. Okay. Uh, Kyle Betts, Captain Squaw Bear, and the house that God built. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Carpenter, the hokiest movie ever, starring Tom Hanks. Uh, Terry Eckmeyer, The One-Roomed House, the story of a one-roomed house. And then our own Rob Shep, son of Twister. Nice. It's fun. That's Rob Shep from uh, Stuff to Make You Smarter. Yeah, um, which you can find on the Zoom network. Zoom Marketplace. Zoom Marketplace. Yeah. You know what else you can find out there? I don't know if it's on Zoom, but out there on the internet, say, I don't know, iTunes. Audiobook? A specific audiobook. Let's Number two in an ongoing <laughs> kind of um, sputtery series. A long-running and sporadic series. The Super Stuff Guide. This one is the Stuff You Should Know Super Stuff Guide to Happiness. Yeah? That's right. Starring my niece, Isabella. That's right. Who kicks the whole thing off uh-huh. with a quote from the Dalai Lama. And then we have about an hour and 15 minutes of really cool investigation into happiness. And here's, here's, the, here's the clincher. It's not that happy of an audiobook. <laughs> no. We uncover a lot of really sad stuff about yeah. happiness, right? We talked to all sorts of experts. We talked to one of the founders of the transhuman movement. Uh, David Pierce. Yeah, we interviewed folks. Yeah, we, we had a lot of interviews. Um, Gussied up sound design? It was, Jerry just pulled out all the stops. All the stops. It's three ninety nine on iTunes. Yeah, apparently it's a little more in other places. Like the Aussies are having to pay six ninety nine, Which is crazy because the dollar is weak right now. That's what they said. Um, but they were not happy. Sorry, I remember in 2008, Canada went crazy because they're like, we're not paying more for this book. Our dollar is <laughs> worth the same as a dollar. And booksellers up there were like, okay. Take it right. up with iTunes, man. No, they said okay. Oh, they did? Yeah. In England, I think they said it was... Uh, Two forty nine, two two quid forty nine pence. No, I don't even know how they say this. I think you just nailed it. Is that right? Yeah. Two forty nine pounds. Pa- two pounds forty nine pence. Yeah, I think that's about right. <laughs> yeah. So um, you can get it on iTunes right yes. now. The, just search, go to the iTunes store and search um, "Super Stuff Guide to Happiness" and it'll bring it up. And if you don't have our yeah, economics the there. super stuff guide, it's right there too. Is that evergreen? Yes. Is it? Somebody asked, and, and yeah, 
I mean, it's I about I how yeah. economics works. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it was framed through the the collapse, the recession. Right. But, buddy, anybody who tells you the recession's over, <laughs> you punch him in the stomach. Yeah, that's true. All right. Um, and then also, if you want more SYSK, you can listen to us on WFMU. Uh, what is it? 91.1 yeah. in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut metropolitan area. And what is it for the Hudson Valley? 90.1 Hudson Valley. Okay. And then coming soon... If everything goes right, you'll be able to hear us in Alaska, right? Yeah, college radio station and uh, was it Anchorage? It, it's that's you have like a thirty-three percent chance of what town? Yeah, that's to. coming down the pike. Yeah, we're excited about that. Yeah, and then if you want to play fun Facebook games, visit Facebook.com/slash Stuff You Should Know. Um, you can tweet to us. We are at SYSK Podcast, and you can send us good old-fashioned electronic mail to Stuff Podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold-pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month.